dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, dynamic voices for a diverse church powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of the Reformed African American Network, Mr. Jamar Tisby. Jamar, how's it going, brother? I'm doing pretty good considering uh, what time of day it is. I won't I won't um, reveal how early in the morning it is to our mm-hmm. listeners. I won't do that to you. But we're here. We're awake. Yeah. The Lord got me out of the bed one more again. The, the jury is still out as to who set up this time. So <laughs> we're just going to leave There was this a up. lot of yeah. pointing fingers. I just know it wasn't me. That's all I know. Um, I am not a 7 a.m. guy. I don't so. know. Silence is complicity. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, so Jamar, this is this is really interesting because here at Pastor Mike, we talk about a lot of different things, and it ran by extension. And some of these things get into a broad national and sometimes even international level, right? So we talk about systemic injustice, and then we talk about history, which is your thing. Then we talk about church and denominations, which is kind of my thing, and so. It could leave people to be asking the question, what can we do on a local level? Right. And I think we've gotten that question a lot, right? A whole lot. I mean, every like lots of our listeners are just, I mean, they want to make a difference. And so they're always asking, what do we do or what can we do? Um, and so, yeah, sometimes we just, we need to bring it down to the local level. Now, why is the local level so important, Jamar? <laughs> I always say biblical reconciliation mm-hmm. is incarnational, right? right? When God wanted to reconcile himself us to himself. He didn't send a memo. He didn't send an email. He sent his son who lived among us, who took on flesh. And there's something timeless to that. And there's something necessary to that, that that we live out these lives as salt and light, as redeemed right. people, people to people. Um, and in local context, right? We are we are enfleshed individuals. And so we occupy a time and a place. And And where we are has a lot to do with how we're shaped and and also what we're called to do in mm-hmm. terms of um, being citizens of the the coming kingdom. So right. our local community is where it's at, man. I mean, we gotta we gotta form these structures and frameworks, but we gotta live it out somewhere. Yeah. So this is really the extension of what it means to fulfill the Great Commission, what it means to live out the gospel in a day to day, every single week the know, grind through the, through the events before the events happen mm. after the events happen in light of events that have previously happened and and I just have to say you know personally as someone who grew up with a very weird relationship with the local church like not really knowing what that looked like as far as how to flesh out me being a member of a local church um even as a pastor's son it was very very interesting and so kind of from a pastor's family you you see things behind the scenes mm. that can sour you. And so I had a very tumultuous relationship with the church as I was growing up, especially in my teenage years. But I have to say now the Lord has given me such a love for local church community yeah. and such a love for a group of individuals that have committed to a body in covenant fellowship and are now working out what it means to be salt and light in our vocations, as we go to the grocery stores, as we watch local news, as we interact with citizens in our neighborhood. It's just a really beautiful thing to figure out these things in community. Yeah. And I'll say, 
I love hearing hearing your experience of the local church because you are such a local church guy and a good churchman, and and that's so good and so healthy. But I know there's a lot of people out there like me who have had rough experiences recently. You know what I'm saying? We're we're kind of working through some things. Um, and I just would say as as a word of encouragement, like. The local church is still where it's at, mm. and and we are all messy and messed up people. And so don't give up on the local yes, church, yes. even as we acknowledge, right, sometimes the, the ones closest to you can hurt you the worst, right? Absolutely. And so I think that's where it's coming from, is that we do have a love for it, and uh, and sometimes that causes us pain, but, you know, that's that's part of love is being vulnerable, is being, being yeah. open to this. Um and so I would just encourage folks who are in that place, like, um, you know, pray the Lord that this is a season and and commit to being part of the solution yeah. as well. Absolutely, man. That is so important. And nothing gives me more joy as someone who leads discipleship ministries at a local church to hear you say that because, you know, especially younger Black millennials are having this really difficult relationship with the church. They see things they've never seen before. They're getting exposed to to stories and history, which we'll talk about in a second, that they didn't even know existed within their local context, nationally, in Christian education. There's so many. Yeah. It's just a tenuous relationship, and it can lead to a sense of betrayal. Like, yeah. Why didn't you tell me this? Why wasn't I exposed to what this looked like? We do know that sovereignly the Lord has allowed us to be born in a time like this, to live in a mm. time like this. Mm. You know, it's the Acts 17 idea. Exactly. And so- why has he ordered our times now? Mm. And I think it's for the people that we run in, run into every single day, the people that we come in contact with, you know, the kids that we pass by in a school where we don't know the teacher's names, you know, mm. like it's, it's that, that's why we're here to, to yeah. shine his light. So let's get into it. Three ways, just three ways that we can, uh, or three things that we can do right now in our local context. Yeah. I'll say the first, man, from from my experience has been very important, is you have to know the racial history, know what? the ethnic history of your city. Watch this it. is so important, Jamar. And you know what's funny? I thought I knew a little bit more than others knew. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you follow the right people and you you do the right Google searches and you read the right books. And then you figure out, yeah, I didn't even know. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't even know the half. So listen, this is just for me. So this is my city, Pensacola, Florida, around 1900, around the turn of the century. And I feel like Jamar right now because it's, <laughs> history tells us, you know. But Welcome, for real. brother. So around the 19th, so around the 19, 1900s, it, it's around the turn of the 20th century. It's very interesting because- Pensacola was a majority black city. So it had a black mayor, black alderman. Actually, our first black mayor was, I believe, in 1874. Whoa. Right? Um, or 1884, one of those two. And so we had a black mayor, black alderman, black police chief, vibrant black city. It was so accomplished that Booker T. Washington actually mentioned Pensacola as like a model Negro business community. Okay. <laughs> so this is something that, you know, when I found this out, I was like, what, what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, from 1900 <laughs> to 1920, over half of the black population left and fled because there were public lynchings in a very key part of downtown. So in our downtown, and it's funny, the news journal, our local news journal, just did a story on this like two, three weeks ago. And it just exposed this. We're we're currently writing this this declaration with other pastors on on race cool. and what it looks like to actually be biblically reconciled. And 
it exposed to these pastors a whole new, like, man, we didn't even know this, but black and white, we didn't even know that this happened. And so we had that happen where two men were lynched and, and hanged publicly in, in Ferdinand Plaza. We also have our Lee Square monuments. So these Lee? are our Confederate. Which yes, Lee? Robert, <laughs> Robert E. Lee, who has okay. no connection to Pensacola, but Robert E. Lee um, Square monuments. We also have 1972 race riots. Um, it, we were one of the last cities to integrate our schools. Mm-hmm. So in 1972, there were local race riots over integration at a um, at our county's Scambia High School, which is also the place where Emmett Smith played football. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Trent Richardson. Yeah. So this is all just wow. right. And then I found out that in 1975, I just saw pictures. There was like a local KKK rally, hoods and everything, people walking through the streets downtown, broad daylight. So you like, will this not is replace our city. us. <laughs> this is our city. Blood and soil. Blood and soil. Colored bathrooms up until 1980. So, you know, Man. all these things are going yeah. on. And I'm like, wow. So this explains so much about the tenuous relationship with race and ethnicity in my city right and and i think a lot of us don't know that and a lot of us don't know the history or the lack thereof because not every city has this freedom history mm-hmm. and so the lack thereof and it leads us into you know a sense of of um just stepping into the unknown like we have to understand and know our context if we don't intimately know our context we won't know how the gospel speaks yes, into it. Yes, right? yes. And every city has a story. And it's filled, you know, you're going to find very, very depressing things like you were just describing. You're going to find really exciting things, too. You know, things that are are, are significant. Um, my, my town where I grew up, nobody knows it or her, has heard of it. But it's where um, uh, the, the author Ray Bradbury came from. Yeah, and yeah. if you remember in the first iteration of Law and Order, the television show, Detective Lenny Briscoe came from my hometown. And so Bro, you go find nobody watched Law and Order? What you talking I about? I mean the first first, <laughs> you know, you young guns won't get it, but that that first one was on point. Um and so you'll find fun and interesting facts about that. But naturally, you know, we gravitate toward the racial right. and the justice history. And so I've lived a couple places in the deep south and man, I mean, it's a history for, for miles, right? And so even in my small town, one of the one of the aha moments I had about my town was discovering the segregated cemetery. Oh my goodness. And so there was a Confederate memorial cemetery, um, which is still still called that. Mm-hmm. And that was erected, you know, within a few decades of the Civil War. And it's nice and well kept and, and, and it's still in active use, but there's a section of it with the the Confederate soldiers and there's a literally a thirty foot tall obelisk. Uh, a Confederate monument there mm. that says it's dedicated. This is on the inscription, dedicated to the lost cause wow. and hero worship. Those are actual words on the inscription wow. about Confederate soldiers. There's a Confederate flag flying, all that good stuff. And then there's the Black Cemetery, which is off the beaten path. You got to kind of know where it is. You wouldn't think it's open because it's um not funded and so right, it's right. not very well kept you of know course. graves gravestones are turned over a lot of them are lost and and it just struck me right like how even in death black people were were dehumanized and couldn't mm-hmm. have dignity mm-hmm. then um and there was another incident that one of the massive massive race riots is one most people have never heard about the elaine uh, Arkansas race riots, hmm. hundreds killed uh, really? over over you know they were getting involved politically, 
And so uh, white supremacists literally came in on trains to to break this thing up. And in the course of several days, hundreds of poor black people just slaughtered. Wow. And it was lost to the annals of history. But it's 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 there and it's right down the road from where I live. Wow. That is crazy. It is massively depressing. And 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 it's one of the things this is why we need to know our local history Mm -hmm. is because not only have we refused to confront it, we've silenced when we talk right. when we talk about our racial history, we have silenced it. Like people knew about these riots, people were involved, yeah, and they just didn't talk about it, <laughs> hoping it would go away. And that's how we yeah. treat it as Christians, right? You know, that's really funny because it's it's crazy how many people don't know about these things, and there's no transmission of the whole story of the entire history. And where is it that we have decided that hiding it is going to heal the city? Right. And and so on a positive note, not just knowing that, but then also knowing the inspirational and key figures within your city. That's right. So my wife and I, we're getting ready to have a baby. And so when we were taking our announcement pictures, we decided to take it at the Panton house. Okay. And so it's named (laughs) Uh for Julie Panton. And um, she was a free woman of color. Awesome. Okay. And so she was. What What do you think I was gonna say? Because we got we. If, if you got a house that's got a name, <laughs> you can usually trace that back to. Oh no! A absolutely, absolutely no. So so Julie Pants, and this is a positive story though. So she used entrepreneurship. She bought a house in downtown Pensacola, um, at a time where there was thriving black entrepreneurship. Mm. She was eventually forced to move out. Mm. But she bought that house and she would use entrepreneurship to free other slaves. She'd buy the freedom of other slaves. Man. And she used it. And it's still there. Redemption. It's just amazing. And so we decided, let's take our pictures there wow. because it means so much. Now, have we know? seen these pictures? Yeah, yeah. They came out. Okay. Man, see, right. no, no, no. I ain't going to have All people right. stalking my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to my Facebook on my Instagram. Okay. But they there. All right. But it just meant so much to me to see that. And to see, okay, now that we find out the positive history of a Julie Panton or in my city, a John Sunday, whose house was recently torn down, you know, a very important black business owner and black legislator in Pensacola and a H.K. Matthews, a reverend who was a civil rights activist. Mm. Now we can guard this. And he's yeah. still living. H.K. Matthews wow. still living, wow. you know, in his in his 90s now. <laughs> So now we guard the history and we tell it. Yes. Right. Yes. What, what is, you know, the great example, and I'll mention this today, but, you know, Psalms 136, where in the Psalm, it runs down the role of what God has done mm, for the, the children of Israel. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because history is connected to hope. Ooh. <laughs> what we, what we know about our history can lead us to hope or can lead us to despair. And when we know not just the bad, but also the positive, the good, those things, that people have those trails that people have blazed that we can follow in their footsteps. Yeah. And they've said, come this way. Celebrate it. This is the way to freedom. This is the way mm-hmm. to dignity. This is the way to value. This is the way to true reconciliation. So that's why we don't just learn the negative, but we learn the positive too, so that we can transmit that hope. I like that. History's connected to hope. What's 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 the second way? Okay, so this is gonna be one that really is an alley oop for you, Jamar. Okay. Because I believe every Christian should get involved. With their local schools. Yeah. Right? Okay, I mean, I come you. on. Like, yeah. I had to alley-oop you, Jamal. Man. When I it comes you, to education. I was like, we already talked about history, so I don't know. You know, <laughs> I'm like, brick this. Um, but yes, yes. Yes. At local schools. Oh, my goodness. Like, I don't care what you feel about 
public education, which I got a lot to say on that too, but there, there, we do care what you feel about public education. <laughs> Let me say this. Regardless of your view come on, of come public on. education, there we go. it just only makes sense that if you want to serve your community, you get involved with local public schools. Mm. I mean, that is the crossroads, especially if you're concerned about people of color or lower income folks. Mm. Um, that's one of the, the easiest places to gain access because let's be honest, we live segregated lives. If right. you live in the suburbs, if your kids go to a particular school, you will never organically interact with people from a different socioeconomic class right. other than if they're serving you in some way, mm-hmm. right? So how do you develop meaningful relationships? It's local schools, particularly public schools. And so there are millions of ways to get involved. I mean, you just, just, I promise you, sit down for 60 seconds and brainstorm and you can come up with your own ways to get involved. Right. But what I love, 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 and I'll just speak from personal experience is, um, I, I, I moved back to the city in the Delta where I used to be a teacher. Hmm. And so I started out teaching way back in 2003. Now, the first Boy, students I had, I know, you know <laughs> I wear it well, black don't crack. Come on. Um, the first students I had are now young adults. Wow. They've graduated college. Four of them are teaching at the school where I taught them. You're kidding me. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's such a beautiful legacy, legacy, legacy. <laughs> um, and so, but what's cool is they still remember me. Wow. I'm still Mr. Tisby in the community, right? So I can walk into the gas station convenience store and I have former students who work there or parents and they'll recognize me. I can go anywhere in town wow. and they remember me because I taught their kids or I was in the school with their kids. You don't even have to teach them, right? So mm-hmm. it was the best and remains the best way I've ever gotten involved in a local community because it mm-hmm. just connects you all over. And so you don't have to be a teacher, obviously, or a principal. But if you are there, if you are present, if you show up, it God will immediately reveal to you areas yeah. where you can get involved as a believer and as someone who can just love kids and love families. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, if you're wondering how to brainstorm, how to get involved, you know, the first step is to ask. Yes. So <laughs> go to the principal and, you know, schedule a meeting or schedule a meeting with someone on staff and ask how your church can practically help young people in that environment. Um, also, it would be great. I know in our county, we have rankings and we have grades for schools. So not just to go to the, the B plus and up schools, but also <laughs> to go who have needs to don't, don't they get do, me wrong. They do, yes. Like just because you have an A rating doesn't mean you don't have issues. You don't need assistance, but then, you know, to maybe go to the D schools and find yeah. parishioners who live in that neighborhood that, you know, they can, Hey, here's some ideas. Fill backpacks in the morning because kids don't have breakfast or right. start an after school program, you know, for kids to go where, you know, they're not just sitting at home by themselves. And you know, I say, yeah, like like if you got an individual talent, right? Like like you know martial arts. Start a martial arts club, right? I didn't tell you I was a black belt, Jamar. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Catch these hands. Okay. Um, these hands do work. Dot com. <laughs> Or if you, if you, if you play a musical instrument, right? Like a lot of times schools are looking for more variety in their extracurricular activities. Right. Uh, and, and they need expertise because teachers get asked to do a bunch of things like they ain't got experience or training for, but mm. 
they're there so they get the job right um that that's beyond the scope of the classroom and so those are ways and 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 take care of the teachers man i mean speaking as a former teacher and administrator if the teachers are happy the kids are right. much likelier to be happy too so like buy the staff uh coupons to like massage right. envy or something wow. you know uh bring that's gift such baskets such a great idea um, take take the students for an activity and let the teachers have have an actual lunch where they can sit down. I I got used to eating standing up as wow. a teacher because you just you're, you're always on as long as kids are in the building. Mm-hmm. And so, what are ways that you can take care of the teachers and the staff there? Um, that gives it longevity, so we're not burning out our people so quickly. So there's just a lot of different ways. But you're right ask because the schools will let you know like no we just got a grant for books we're good on that <laughs> right, right um but we do need a playground yeah. you know so that kind of thing and so let me say this i think it's cool to do an opening day thing but you know i've seen a lot of people thank you okay so can we talk about this thank because i've you. seen a lot of people dress up really nice and they'll put on <laughs> their suits and then they'll make a line a rally line for the kids yeah. on their first day of school and I'm like, awesome, but are you there on the hundredth day of school? You and if know. you're not, so it's it's kinda like pointless. It's a photo op, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I just, get yeah. it, right? I, it's I a get good it. gesture. Yes, and it's definitely great. I'm always for positive representation. Yes. And so seeing role models and seeing images images of, of black men in yeah. particular yeah. who are rallying around our children because of the stereotypes that exist, but Man, a lot of this stuff is is thankless. It's an obscurity. And if you're not doing it in obscurity, I kind of question. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, you know, confess your unpopular opinion. It's like, so what you're describing, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, things I've seen on the internet where like black men will, will dress up. And then on the first day of school, as kids are walking in, they're giving high fives, shaking hands, hugs, rah, rah. It is a powerful yeah. image. Don't get me it wrong. Is. It is. It yeah. is a powerful and image. And we're not saying take that away. No, no, definitely not. But to me, it, it's reminiscent of like cops playing basketball. In the neighborhood, Whoa. right? <laughs> Which is great. Don't take that away. Whoa. But is that really the issue? Or, you know, if you multiply that and you're doing that all the time, does that really tackle mm. the heart of the problem? And and I don't think it does. I think it's necessary but not sufficient. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that makes you feel good. But if you take it too far, you can think, oh, well, this is all that needs to yeah. be done. <laughs> Yo, kindness is not justice. Ooh, come on. Run say and that. tell that. Kindness is not justice, bro. <laughs> it's just like, stop. Okay, so <laughs> we need to get off of that. All right, so number three, Javar, we need to wrap up. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yes. So number three, not only knowing your racial history, not only getting involved in your local schools, but then also politics, local yes. politics. All politics. Why is this is local. important? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that phrase, all politics is local. And, and there's a certain truth to that, right? Like the, the stuff that affects you day to day, a lot of times is done at the city council level, is done at yeah. the county or the state level. And it's also the most, the place where you can most practically get involved and right. have an actual voice. And so that looks a lot of different ways. I'm blessed that, that one of, um, one of my good friends where I live is also our local state rep. Hmm. And so I get to sit down and have lunch with him anytime. I can talk about what he's proposing. We recently had wow. a conversation about, um, he wants to, to, uh, propose a, um, some legislation around Confederate monuments and wow. either taking them down or putting up inscriptions or putting up actual freedom monuments, right? To folks in the struggle. And so 
I mean, that's like that's on the ground. Given that conversation that we've had, it could actually shape the legislation he proposes. Right. Wow. And so, like, that's and you have a voice into that. Exactly. You got a voice into that, and and all of us do, and especially at the local city level, your city council members, mayors, school board. And you, so this dovetails in in getting involved in public schools. Um, you really do have a voice. These are people you know. They may be in your church. Um, uh, so. So definitely getting involved at the local level because we can really – and it can get depressing if we only look at national politics, right? Mm. And what's interesting is the 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 dynamics at the national level as far as breakdowns of who's Republican, who Demo- who's Democrat, how they vote, what their platforms are. That gets muddled at the local level. It doesn't always fall, it doesn't always fall neatly that along these lines. Hmm. So it can disrupt our narrative of what modern politics is like if we actually look at our local context to try to get involved. Yeah, it's interesting because locally our city council is having this huge debate and there have been some rallies and forums about our public transit system, so our ECAT bus system and one of the big conversations is they want to to shut down the ECAT for certain routes because it's not enough people riding right. every single hour right. to warrant it going in that way. And so from a budgetary standpoint, they're saying, well, you know, this is wise budgeting mm-hmm. and local black pastors and the former black police chief are saying, don't shut this this route down because we should actually look at expanding the routes so that more people wow. can, <laughs> you know, wow. there's just yeah. a natural... Uh, rallying for, around the dignity of the few yeah. and the marginalized to say, well, hey, we recognize the costs involved, but we waste a lot of money in this area, that area, <laughs> the other. So can we keep this so that people can go to work, so that people exactly. can go to school? Exactly. Because this will mess with their livelihood. And then what are the unintended consequences mm-hmm. of shutting down a public transit route? Mm. A person can't go to school. They can't go to, go work, to work. And now what do they do? Exactly. Right. And so it's that, that hope. And it's also that, the advocacy on the grassroots ground level is not sexy, but it's definitely something that we have to, yes. we have to do. We have to speak. But that's into. the work. The work is not the photo op, yeah. right? The work is not the 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 occasional um, you know news story or or the mm-hmm. or the thing that catches everybody's attention. The work at the grassroots level is this daily plotting, you know, right. and it's not fancy it's not attention grabbing but it is necessary and that's what we need christians to be involved in right like it's just being salt and light in our communities Uh, another one is our congressman who just recently got elected um, to represent us in northwest florida he mentioned at a time when the confederate monuments was kicking up for our city because our mayor said hey I i would rather take this down and put this in uh, veterans cemetery or take the Lee Square monument down and put it in a museum where it can be put in its proper context. So he pushed that. And then the congressman basically said, you know, following Charlottesville that this represents whitewashing history. Oh, and so it's a very obviously an, an awful turn of phrase. Um, and this is from a congressman who had previously said that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization, right? So what, me, I mean, there's a lot of things that I can I can do and I can rant about, but I just tweeted him. I said, hey, is this an accurate quote, right? Uh-huh. Is, this, is this whitewashing history an accurate quote? Uh-huh. And he replied within a couple hours and said, yes. You know, that's all he said was yes. And so I said, do you see how that could be ironically insensitive to the people who are of color? Because this this actually, the monument staying is whitewashing. Do you see that? Yeah. <laughs> 
and he never responded. So, mm-hmm. you know, people, mm-hmm. I could tell because he retweeted and quoted me. Oh. I could tell people started coming around <laughs> to oh. it. And so I said, you know what? I, I, don't answer here. I'm going to write you. So I sat down and wrote him a letter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I wrote the congressman a letter detailing ways in which black history in Pensacola has directly been whitewashed. Wow. We know about whitewashing. Okay. This okay. ain't whitewashing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very respectful. I actually let you you read yeah, the letter. It was because good. I it wanted to to make sure that it was written in the spirit of, of biblical charity. We wanted yeah, to let you know man. we pray for our elected officials. This is not, you know, me talking out of turn. But the question that I ask is, I know you know all these examples, assuming that he knows, hopefully, uh-huh. these examples of black history in Pensacola. So how will you safeguard the rich black heritage of our city. <laughs> and so then I'm putting it in 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 his court Word. to say, hey, well, well, what are you going to do as if you want to remain a constituent here? I may yes. not have voted for you in the previous election, but if you want to remain a, a you know, a um a representative of your constituency, a diverse constituency. That's, that's exactly right. Here in Pensacola, how are you going to safeguard this? That's exactly right. So that's actually more than me. Okay, I could go and do a Facebook status. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. what am I directly doing? I'm trying to touch, you know, and get the attention. Is he going to read my letter? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Right. But right? you've done your But duty. I've done I've done my duty as as a citizen. Yes. And I've appealed to the congressman with respect, and I've told him that we pray for him as a believer. Amen. I've said, "Well, okay, so how do we how do we move forward? Man, How do we so reconcile? Good. I mean, that that's the whole thing right there, right? Getting involved in politics at any level, but especially the local level, is about making sure our elected representatives re- represent us, represent yes. their constituency in all our diversity, in all our complexity, not letting it be a single narrative, not letting just kind of um, raw political calculus determine uh, laws and policies. And that's all we're we're talking that's about. And so we're not asking people to be Republican or Democrat. We're not asking no. you to be politically conservative or liberal or whatever. What we're asking is that you do your part to make sure that your representatives represent all their constituencies. And also to let you know that this is not just something that we record on a podcast, but this is something we we're do. passionate about for our city yeah. as well. We want to experience true reconciliation Biblical reconciliation shalom. and shalom in our cities. Yeah. Like this is not just something that we slide in and just not only just through church, but also through a hey, evangelism, <laughs> you on know, the ground. also through service as well. Yeah. So it's a multifaceted thing. But these are three really good areas that I think um, you can get started in tomorrow. That's you right. can do a Google search tomorrow and you'll find tons of different ways. So, um, you know, our call to you is get to work. Let's go.